This week's episode of the Get Back Coach is brought to you by OddsCrowd. OddsCrowd has fantasy betting in leagues that include over $30,000 in cash prizes when you bet on NFL and college football. I'm taking part in OddsCrowd, and so is everyone else at Brandon's. Let's see where your bets stack up against ours. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place fantasy bets, not actual money, against real odds and lines. The most profitable bettors rise to the leaderboards. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win real cash money. And OddsCrowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors, free to download. You can group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private fantasy contests with your buddies, and much more. So download the app for free, and when you are there, put in a referral code BRAN13, that's B-R-A-N-1-3. That'll tell them that Jake sent you. On this week's episode of the Get Back Coach, I first apologize to the Florida Gators. I explained a little bit how the SEC fans are still the worst. Talk about my experience at the whiteout. And then we recap week three of college football. Talk a little bit about the SEC officiating crew and how they need to be held accountable. This preview for week four and our playoff this week, best live mascots. All that and a lot more. All right, let's get after it. Welcome to another episode of the Get Back Coach presented by Branded Sports. I'm your host, Jake Myers, and I first want to apologize for two things. One, for my voice. Uh, if you can, if you can been keeping up with the Twitter and the Instagram, um, I was at the Whiteout this weekend, and I was you know yelling and screaming like an absolute lunatic. So. My voice is is a little hoarse still. I had no voice at all on Sunday. Um, so just bear with me, bear through this podcast uh, and my voice. <clears throat> but I do want to apologize for something else. I need to apologize formally to a group of people. Florida Gator fans, I apologize. I thought Alabama was going to win this game by two touchdowns, and they did not. Uh, a failed two-point conversion kept the Florida Gators away from an overtime, and then who knows what would have happened. Although usually people say that's where underdogs go to die. Florida, you, you made it close. Um, I, I, re, I re-watched the – the um, uh, accelerated game cast uh, that it, it's, it's like, an, a con- if you got, if you're not familiar, it's a condensed version of like an hour. It cuts out everything in the middle. So it's just play after play after play. Um, and Florida, I, I was impressed. It, listen, that Dan Mullen is known for his offensive genius and he, it, it showed, I mean, this Alabama defense, we've been saying it at branded. I, I've been saying it that, they 
the Alabama defense is pro is looking like one of the best defenses ever assembled in college football in the last 10 years. And, and Florida, you guys got out of a hole down 21 to three, uh, the defense adjustments even were, were, were fantastic offensively, um, you know, move the ball. You got out of the funk. You made adjustments. Hats off to Dan Mullen, Emery Jones. Emery Jones, I'd get another guy that I need to apologize to. He he looked really good. This Florida team, I think, is better than we expected. But here's here is the big one, or here's the kicker. You cannot let a close victory like this define your season okay you, you, you can't let it def define your season you, you cannot just be happy with being close with Alabama now I understand that this is a step in the right direction I think what you lose by five or sorry eight last year this year you know you cut it to two um but you can't you can't let this define you I mean Listen, you got Tennessee coming up, and Tennessee is not good. You cannot let any doubt that you are the better team, which I, I believe that you are. You got to smoke Tennessee, and the, this game is in the swamp. But you got to leave no doubt that um, Florida is right there knocking on the door with Georgia and Texas A&M of, hey, we're, we can compete um, with Alabama – and we're 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 close to being a top ten team. If not, we are a top ten team uh, in the country. So you cannot have any letdown. Can't ha cannot let it happen. Uh, close victories, heartbreaking losses like this tend to do two things to a team. Either one, it proves to them that they can, gives them the confidence they need, and then they go off on a run. Or two, they have a letdown, and then another letdown, and before you know it, you're you're middle of the road, a, a decent team, but but not a great team, and you're going to be ranked in the high 20s or not ranked at all. So for Florida's sake, do not let this define you. Now let's talk about uh, a lot of people are saying, hey, Dan Mullen, he coached a great game, but right at the end, terrible two-point conversion call. Now, do I like the call? Nah, no, I don't like it. But I'm going to tell you what happened here. I'm going to tell you how or what went wrong. So Emory Jones looks like a read. That if you look at the defensive end or outside linebacker, the read key there, he's frozen. Now I think Emory Jones was looking for that defensive – or sorry, that um, outside backer or defensive end, that read key, to crash down on the back – he was going to keep and go, but he stayed there, stayed there, kind of just, um, you know, waited out, waited out, kind of got closer to the back, closer to the back, but not giving up fully, not crashing down hard because he knew he had other guys there. If Emory Jones would have just showed that, if he would have given it to the back and then carried out his read fake to that defensive end, I think Florida's offense had enough push to – or their offensive line had enough push for the running back to score. I really do think so. I think it would have been close. I mean, he probably would have been hit at the one and then, you know, hopefully momentum carried him forward. But I think 
I don't know if Emory Jones was just a little bit selfish there and he wanted to make the play. I don't know. Mullen was pretty ticked off on the sidelines, but it just looked like he carried, tried to try to hold that way too long. And he should have just made the read. Okay. So what happens in the quarterback's mind? He sees the read key. If the read key freezes, he's supposed to give the ball to the back. But instead, he pull he he waits it out as the defensive end or outside linebacker is frozen. And you know, just rides it out way too long. And that defensive end then ends up crashing down because it looked almost like a busted play. So if it might any criticism with Emory Jones, that's it right there, man. Just listen, make the read right there. You saw it. He froze. Give the ball to the running back. And then if it doesn't work there, then it's on Dan Mullen. But now you're taking a bit of criticism because it does it look like a busted play. Um, on the other end of that, Alabama's or Alabama's defense, listen, Alabama's defense is still very good. It's still the best defense in the country. But it looked a little human. It did. And we're going to talk about some other teams that are usually just head and shoulders above everybody else. Everyone's starting to close the gap. Conferences are starting to look a little more wide open. I mean, hey, the biggest criticism of college football is what? It's it's three teams, a fourth team that's usually always there, and then it's everybody else. Well, listen, and we're going to talk about it. Things in the Big Ten looking a little more wide open. Things in the ACC. ACC looks bad. Uh, the Pac-12, I think, is the only one where there's a clear number one and everybody else. In the SEC, Alabama and Georgia, that's going to be a finish. And Alabama looked Alabama looked a little human. They, they do bleed. They bleed crimson, but they do bleed in Alabama. Um, like I said, I was at the whiteout. Absolutely electric. Just, I mean, it's been two years since I've been to my last whiteout, um, and I go every year. It's it's truly one of the best. It's one of the greatest atmospheres, if not the greatest atmosphere in college football. And I'm completely spoiled that that's what I grew up with. Um, now, when I was really young, I'm saying mm, probably. I would say 10 and below. So for the first four years from about six to 10, um, Penn State was known as a very quiet fan base. You know, they're, they've said they're old people who sit on their hands. It's not that loud. Uh, I think that all changed in 2002. Penn State played Nebraska, Richard Garner interception, and, and Nebraska was a pretty big favorite. And Penn State just beat the bricks off them. I mean, it was like 49 to 41 to 7, like bad. Uh Richard, I'll never forget it. Richard Garner returns it, um, returns uh interception for a touchdown, and the place just went absolutely bananas. It was amazing. Um, and then they had some two terrible years, and then in 05, Ohio State. That's when things like completely changed. That was the loudest I've ever heard it. 
That's where the people in the press box said the press box was shaking. Um, and, and granted, like the year before was the first whiteout for students against Purdue and Penn State lost. And you think, oh, my God, they lost to Purdue. Listen, Purdue was ranked ninth in the country. They had Curtis Painter. Purdue was really good. Uh, I think they almost won the Big Ten championship that year. But anyway, Purdue was really good. And Penn State hung with them. And, and again, Purdue was a big favorite. And that's the thing with the whiteout is that besides for like Alabama in like 2011 where Penn State didn't have a quarterback, Alabama was uh, – I think they went on to either win a national title or lose in the national title that year. Um, but Alabama I think beat them by two touchdowns. But b- besides that, I mean – if Penn State's an underdog, always take them with the points because it, it's going to be a good game in the wideout, um, which kind of believes my next point. Auburn people were tweet, tweeting this. There were, I mean, of course, the, the SEC mob was tweeting this. And, you know, Pitt people in Ohio, in Ohio State, actually not Ohio State, because I think they respect it because they know wideout, it's going to, they might win, but it's going to be a, a dogfight. And they've lost a couple whiteouts and Michigan fans, even like they've couple, lost a couple wideouts, but I feel like their fan base tweets this too, that well, Penn state's eight, only eight and eight now, nine and eight in, in whiteouts, you know, seven and six now um, in full stadium whiteouts. Is it that great of a home field advantage? Yes. Yes, it is. I mean, the, the, fan, the fans aren't on the field, but as far as home field advantages goes, yes, that makes a difference. Well, then why don't they win more in wideouts? Well, it's usually the hardest game at home. The hardest game at home is usually what the wideout is. So it's going to be Ohio State, Michigan. Um, if there's a really good non-conference opponent like we saw with Alabama or now Auburn, like that's why it's it's their hardest home game of the year. So yeah, and also. Penn State in so Penn State so now we've had seventeen total whiteouts, um, total uh, student and I'm trying to think student and full stadium whiteouts. Penn State has been an underdog in ten of those games, ten out of the seventeen. All right, you know, and they've won. They I'm trying to think. I think they've won three of those. As 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 home dogs, so yeah, it's it definitely brings it. It brings another level to it. It is a tough place to play, you know. And I believe as a favorite, I believe Penn State's only lost one wideout as a favorite, and that was to I want to say Iowa, a very good Iowa team in two thousand and nine. I believe it was the only time they lost as a favorite. But yeah, I and I was really good that year. So again, the, the whole oh, they're only five hundred is a really great atmosphere. Yes, yes, it is. It's the toughest home game of the year, one hundred percent. The toughest home game of the year. I uh, also saw another stat before I get off my um, Penn State soapbox that I usually try that I usually get on and I try not to. Um, James Franklin has has never lost a non-conference game at home and has never 
or sorry, has never lost a non-conference game at home and has only lost two non-conference games total or ever. Uh, one coming to Temple in 2014, and that year I believe Temple won nine games, and that's where they almost beat Notre Dame. So it was a good Temple team. I think Penn State was really caught off guard by that. Um, and then the other one is they lost to Pitt at Heinz Field. It was the first game of the Pitt-Penn State renewed rivalry, that that four-game series. And Penn State had a bunch of guys hurt on defense. And I think they, they gave up like 40-some points to Pitt. And that really costed them. I mean, if Deshaun Hamilton catches a ball with two minutes to go, they win. Um, and then that that team ended up winning the Big Ten. Uh, if, if they played each other later on in the year, uh, Penn State, I believe, I believe Penn State wins that by, you know, uh, at least double digits. But they played it earlier in the year. Pitt got them before Penn State rattled off uh, three wins in a row to end the series. Um, so I want to talk about SEC Twitter because. And I know Twitter is a toxic cesspool that I should not take seriously, but sometimes I see some things that just bother me. Um, and it's just, you know, before the game, Auburn and like all these SEC people, Auburn plays in a conference with LSU and and Georgia, which I hear Georgia's a library. So why are you bringing Georgia into it? But like they play the they play in the swamp, they play AM, they've seen home field advantages before this is going to be nothing for them okay this southerner the south is greater than the north bs just has to stop like listen i get it okay i know i really i really i understand that everyone in the sec never leaves the sec and they don't believe anything that is good outside of the southeast part of the country is better than them. I get it. But try to expand your horizons, okay? People in the north, people in Big Ten country recognize that LSU and Alabama and Auburn and A&M, like everyone in the north recognizes that, hey, there are some really great atmospheres down there. Some loud, crazy atmospheres. Okay. If a team were to go down south, they'd be like, yeah, it's going to be a tough place to play. But all this week, it was just discrediting Penn State, discrediting anything in the north. Like, because God, I mean, you, I mean, people in the north, they just don't care about football. They don't care about, they don't care about college football. Man, the northeast is one of the, you know, I mean, in professional sports is where all of the big diehard fan bases are. And, yeah, there aren't a lot of, you know, great college programs there. I mean, besides Penn State, which is in the middle of Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. So think about it. There is a school. <laughs> there is a school in the middle of Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, two of the most passionate fan bases, not only for professional sports, but for other – or sorry, not just for the NFL, but for other professional sports. And both of these fan bases, for the most part, like Penn State. And you're telling me that it's not going to be a crazy, passionate fan base? 
You're 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 lost. You're lost. Okay, up north, I get it. With Boston, no one really cares about Boston. The Boston people don't care that much about Boston College, you know. But and New York really doesn't have anybody. But come on, like this, you don't downplay it. Greg McElroy from the SEC, SEC pundit. Now Penn State, probably Penn State will probably finish fourth in the big or in the SEC West. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, they're not as good as Alabama, obviously. And, yeah, you know, Ole Miss has a really good offense, could probably move the ball on them. But who else is beating them? Who else? You're really giving the nod? You're going to give the the complete nod to Texas A&M? I mean, yeah, Texas A&M is good, but you're going to give them the nod? Come on. Let's, let's, let, let's take off the blinders here. And again, Auburn's a good football team. They came up, they handled the pressure very well. Bo Nix almost threw that pick six to Brandon Smith, but didn't. Um, or Brandon Smith dropped it. But come on. I mean, team played well. Auburn played well. That's going to be a good football team. Could be a good bowl team. Probably get to eight wins. Don't, don't, don't discredit it. I don't know. I just... And the and lastly, Auburn people and SEC people went from really quick to the whiteout ate anything, and then really fast to we were your Super Bowl, which oh my god, like for some teams that's true. Okay, and honestly. For some teams, that's true, where you have a lesser program going up against a bigger program, and they throw everything in there, kind of like how the Iron Bowl is. Auburn can win eight games, but if they beat Alabama, they're okay. Alabama, if they beat Alabama in an Outback Bowl, they'll take that in a second. Guess what? Alabama, yeah, wants to beat Auburn very bad, and yeah, it's a crazy rivalry, but guess what? They're looking ahead to the playoff. <laughs> if they beat Auburn and lose in the college football playoff, it's a dead year. The year sucks. That's that's where they're at right now. So before you start saying about where your Super Bowl, you got another to come. Well, if we're not your Super Bowl, then why were we the whiteout game if it was just supposed to be any other game? Well, you see, if you look at the schedule, Penn State's home schedule, okay? There are only two games on that schedule that could be the whiteout. Michigan and Auburn. Michigan has hosted the – or Michigan has been in a bunch of whiteouts, and it's in November, so it's probably not going to be a primetime game. Hmm, what other game here looks like a primetime game that has two teams that are fairly similar and are going to meet uh, in a home and home for a non-conference play, Auburn. Who has it? Who does Penn State want to show, or who does the Northern people want to show that they can provide one of the best atmospheres in sports? The South. Who's in the South? Who's in the SEC? Auburn. This isn't freaking rocket science. And on top of that, Wisconsin, Iowa, Ohio State are all on the road. Penn State is one of the worst away, like roughest 
away schedules. And that's not even counting playing Michigan State and East Lansing. So, again, Penn State's three toughest games this year are all on the road. And then between Auburn and Michigan, Michigan's at in November, so it's probably not going to be a night game. And Auburn was going to be a primetime kick. Yeah, I think they would put the white out there. So stop with this whole, it was your Super Bowl uh, BS. I like I hate that. Again, the the SEC, you know, stroking is uh, it's it's just obnoxious and unbearable. So let's now talk about a conference that had, did not have a good week, the ACC. Uh, first, hats off to West Virginia, defeating Virginia Tech uh, and getting the Black Diamond Trophy back. Almost gave it to him. Uh, Daggy was did not look good in that fourth quarter. Virginia Tech, uh, well, West Virginia jumped out to a big lead in the second half, or sorry, in the first half. Virginia Tech made some great adjustments on defense, and they really had West Virginia rattled. But West Virginia held on. If this game is another five minutes, Ooh, it probably would have went the other way. But West Virginia will definitely take that. They have a bit of a quarterback controversy. Daigie has not been looking good, making poor decisions. But listen, a win is a win is a win. You get the Black Diamond Trophy back, and that's a big win for the Mountaineers before they go to Norman to play Oklahoma in primetime kick territory. Uh, the U did not look good. Uh, the fourth quarter – especially this team looked gassed, absolutely gassed. And Michigan State was firing on all cylinders. Thorne looked really good in the fourth quarter. Kenneth Walker is just a beast. They were pushing them around up front. Mel Tucker has Sparty looking good right now. He really does. And then listen, if they're not, I'm not saying they're a nine win team or an eight. I'm not, I don't know. What I am saying is if you're going to play the Michigan State Spartans, you better come to play because this team is going to punch you in the mouth. In Miami, you know, the, the team that's supposed to be bad, the outlaws did not have an answer in that fourth quarter. They did not. Manny Diaz is on the hot seat, very much so on the hot seat. You're supposed to be the defensive guru, right? Miami, you're supposed to be the D guy, right? Michigan State embarrassed you in that fourth quarter, absolutely embarrassed you in that fourth quarter. So the ACC is not looking good. Clemson, is Clemson's offense good? Virginia Tech outgained them. Like, is, is Clemson good? I know their defense is good. I'll give them that. Their offense is suspect. DJ Ugalagale, I mean, he's oh – man, I, I think he's a good quarterback. I, just, I, don't know, I don't know what's going on right now with them. I have no idea. And, again, like I said, Alabama, Clemson. Clemson is looking human. I mean, they they look kind of human in the past years. Yeah, they won a national, but had some close calls, but they look extremely human. 
Pitt. Pitt, I give you I gave you so much credit. Going into Knoxville, beating Tennessee. That's a good win. And you followed up with a loss to Western Michigan. You let Western Michigan score 44 points. How? How does that happen? Come on. Like, Jesus. One step forward and two steps. But was that a Doggerty song? One step forward and two steps back. That's the story of pit football. One step forward and two steps back. The pit football story. Put that on a t-shirt. Um, what's going on? Uh, Penix Jr. for Indiana. Indiana looked good. That third quarter took the lead. And like, hey, okay, here we go. And nope, Cincinnati just blew them out. Kick return, touchdown. And then it was game over. Penix Jr. is not the same dude we saw after surgery. And I'm, I'm, I hate to see that too because I think a, a decent Indiana team really makes the Big Ten look good. But, I mean, going back to Indiana stuff again, I think I said it before, Indiana football and Penn State basketball are like the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's like, all right, we're almost there. Hey, we're going to we're gonna do really good this year. Or, hey, our best year is during the COVID. Or, or it was during, during COVID. Like Penn State, they, they, they were invited to the NCAA tournament. Or they would have been invited to the NCAA tournament, and it was a COVID year. Indiana, COVID year. Oh, you're going to the Citrus Bowl now. It sucks. Now this year, okay, we're good. We're good. We're good. And they missed it. Penn State basketball misses the tournament. Um, Indiana does not look good. I still think Indiana is that seven-win team. Again, I think the over-under was eight and a half, and I took that under. But I think this is a seven-win team. I think it can still be an eight-win team, but they are just not looking good offensively, and they're not going. Penix makes this offense go, and if he's not going, if he's not making the right decisions – Puts a lot of pressure on that defense, which is solid, but they're going to break at some point. Let's see. Oh, I don't know how I feel about Oklahoma anymore. I don't. I don't know how I feel about Oklahoma anymore. Um, again, they were my future pick. I, I just – Adrian Martinez had more yards than – Um. Spencer Rattler? Like, really? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't get it. I really don't. Um, yeah, I... I mean, listen, this team can still mess around and still win the Big 12. They probably will. But, man, Nebraska's not good. I know it's a rivalry, and I know you know all bets are off, but I don't know. But the, the, the big thing here between Alabama, the be- Alabama's the best team in the country. They look to win. Georgia, dominating win against South Carolina, has a great defense, but offense eh, isn't the best. 
Clemson's offense is looking straight pedestrian. Ohio State has a defense problem, and they have a 19-year-old quarterback who is probably going to be very, very good in the future, but he's going through growing pains. So if you're an Ohio State fan, please don't give up on C.J. Stroud yet. I mean, the kid's going to be good. You got to give him time, and you're lucky this year that he can go around. Like, he has dudes, NFL dudes around him to make him – to make up for that this year. Um, But – this is great for college football. Like, like that, you know, everything isn't set in stone. Before this year, everyone, it's going to be Alabama, it's going to be Clemson, Ohio State, and then who's the fourth team? Well, Oklahoma is going to be really good, Oklahoma. Yep, it's the four usual teams. Oh, three out of those four are going to be in. Well, guess what? Uh, I don't know. Georgia and Alabama – I don't know. Clemson's offense is pedestrian. Who's going to win the ACC? Don't know. Oregon, the favorite out of the Pac-12, but yeah, I think I think that's the only. If I were to say what's the lock right now for conference champions, I think Oregon in the Pac-12. Which in the beginning of the year we thought that was going to be the most wide open one. And that ends up being the one that, eh, I think this one. And it's not because Oregon's that great. I just think the Pac-12 is just not good. I think, uh, you know, Oklahoma. Can Iowa State knock them off? Maybe now. I'm starting to feel a little bit better about Iowa State beating Oklahoma. The Big Ten East is wide the hell open. Ohio State's still your favorite. But, again, young quarterback, offense or defense is a little suspect. You know, Penn State has a great resume, but – are they that good? I don't know if Penn State's that good. We'll talk about the AP. I don't think Penn State's the sixth best team in the country. Michigan's looking better. Sparty is really surprising. Um, Maryland is an enigma. I don't know what Maryland team's going to show up, if they're going to be good or bad. But when they're good, they're good. When they're bad, though, they're they're not. <laughs> they're bad. Rutgers is looking better. And, you know, they played no one. But, hey. They're looking better. They're 3-0 going into conference play. You know, Indiana, good defense, scrappy. Uh, I mean, they had to play Iowa and Cincinnati out of the gate. I think this is, again, I said it before, I think there's still a 7-1-8 win football team. The Big Ten East is – I I the Big Ten East is the best division in college football right now. And we'll see how, the end, uh, how things go at the end of the year in bowl games and everything like that. But – the Big Ten East is wide the hell open. Clemson looks pedestrian on offense. Alabama looks human, still very good, but human. This is great for college football. This is awesome. It, it's so awesome that this is happening because now we don't know what the hell is going to happen every week. Um. <laughs> okay. So we need to discuss one thing before we move on. Uh, We're going to talk about the AP poll in a bit, and we're going to talk about the slate coming up this weekend. But we need to talk about SEC officiating. Two instances, two this weekend, that are just unexcusable. With two different crews. We're going to, well, first, the Penn State game. 
Um, a couple face mask penalties were not 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 called, which fine. That happens. Hey, let the boys play. Uh, fine, I get it. But there was a, a th- this intentional grounding on Sean Clifford. It is terrible on two different levels. One, the he was not in any type of duress, so he wasn't trying to get rid of the football. It was a miscommunication on him and the receiver that the receiver that it looked like the read route looked like Parker Washington was supposed to run a fade. He came back in and ran a hitch. Clifford, you know, because you have to have that trust that before the read happens, both guys have to be on the same page. That's how you get wide open touchdowns, by the way. Clifford throws the fade. Parker comes up for the hitch. And it's a it's a no call. He's not under duress. He had good protection. And they call intentional grounding because there's no one there. That is so god-awful. And they discussed it. Like they went together, huddled, and said, yep, that's intentional grounding by definition. No, it's not. It's miscommunication. So one, there was miscommunication. It was clear miscommunication. And also the quarterback's not under duress. If the quarterback isn't feeling pressure, that's a non-freaking call. So by that definition, every time a quarterback spikes a ball, it's intentional grounding. By that definition. Terrible. And it stopped a Penn State drive right in its tracks. On top of it, they lose in a complete down. So that happens on first down. Okay. The next play they run is supposed to be second. Because, again, you lose a down. Okay. Okay. Meaning, like, you don't do it over. You don't just erase it completely. So that was first down. Now it becomes second down. Well, they skipped second, went right to third, and then when it's supposed to be third down, not only the referees, but the guy, uh, the the down marker, he was wrong, and then the, the referees in the booth. So basically, every referee is supposed to take is supposed to mark the down. Every single referee is supposed to mark the down. They're clearly not. And they met with each other and said, man, I think it's fourth. Okay, yeah, we're going to go fourth. It's fourth. Just a complete, that means people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. That in itself is a suspension worthy for a crew. And they forced Penn State to um, punt on third down. And then afterwards said, yeah, we got it wrong. Well, it's too late now. You just stopped the Penn State drive in its tracks. If Penn State scores there, what happens to to Auburn? Because now Penn State has a commanding lead. Like, what are you doing? Suspension-worthy stuff. Um, And Auburn fans want to complain about the past two, the the, the no call in the end zone, which, by the way, I don't know who called that. Fourth and second, I thought, okay, this ball is going straight to Tank Bigsby up the middle. That's what I thought. They began good yardage, you know, the whole time, but the fade in the back of the end zone? Are you kidding me? In man to man against Jaquan Brisker? 
Come on. You call the you know, great coaching that entire game. You're going to call that? Come on. And then the Auburn guy, I forget his name. I think it was number – I think it was one versus one. Jacon Brisker was number one and the, the Auburn receiver number one. Grabbed Brisker and pulled him down trying to get the penalty. Good no call. I was waiting for it. Great no call. And then Penn State, you know, um, Yursich has the balls to throw a fade second and 12 when any other coach would have just ran, ran, ran and punted and ends up getting a personal foul because, again, Herbstreit set the perfect way. Jaquan Brisker turned his head to the ball to play the ball. He gets the benefit of the doubt. Auburn Corner didn't. Auburn Corner was playing man, which again, man to man defense, you got to be facing him, but like got all up in his grill and he went close to his shoulder and the face. They're going to call. They're not going to give you the benefit of the doubt if you don't turn your head or don't get in phase. If you're a defensive back and you're not in phase, meaning like hip to hip with the receiver and turning, they're not going to give you that. They're not going to give you that call. So I know Auburn people are complaining about that, man. Shut up. You didn't, you didn't have a thing. You didn't have, you didn't lose an entire down and, and, and a terrible intentional granite call just stall your entire offense in the middle of a drive. Now, luckily all of that. Now, Oh, by the way, I saw one spin zone that it was James Franklin's fault because he didn't complain to the official, which is just in bizarro world he was screaming it's only third down but luckily that did not affect the outcome of the game penn state still won the football game it an sec crew did screw one of their own this weekend in mississippi state um memphis is winning 21 17 about six minutes to go they punt to memphis and Mississippi guy, Mississippi State guy bats the ball around like the two, three. It goes to another Mississippi guy who kneels, touches the ball. As he touches the ball, he gets up to talk to another player. A a, a referee does the the half jumping jack of like it's okay, dead ball, you know, stop the clock motion. And as he's doing that, he does a complete two of them. A Memphis guy picks up the ball, and then the referee puts his arms down and then lets the play continue. Uh, and then the Memphis guy scores a touchdown because all the Mississippi State guys see this referee uh, doing the half jumping jack motion, and Memphis scores. Mississippi State tries to come back. And gets a failed two-point conversion towards the end of the game and loses. So a horrible officiating, just absolutely terrible. Someone needs to be suspended. Both crews. Both crews need suspensions. They should not be paid to officiate games next week. Now, it's a god-awful call by the official. So please, Mississippi State fans, please do not kill me. Please, please don't kill me. If the Mississippi State, this is again, when you coach, 
you say, do not leave anything in doubt. Do not leave it up to an interpretation. This is something that you talk about. Pick the ball up. Pick it up. Pick the ball up. Don't just tap it. No. Pick the ball up. Don't even give it a thought. Pick the ball up. And this whole thing's avoided. Um, again, I'm, I still think it's a terrible call. It was, you know, both, both, both crews need to be suspended. Both of them. Apparent, I don't know how true this is, but apparently the, the Mississippi state crew was the same one with the, that screwed Arkansas against Auburn. Oh my God. If that's true. Oh, if that's true, which brings me to my next top, like my, my next point. Brandon Walker on Unnecessary Roughness said something very similar. There needs to be accountability of these officials. There needs to be accountability. You cannot, as a conference, SEC conference, you cannot just say, oh, we got it wrong. We're sorry. Too late. If Penn State loses that game, you know, Penn State fans are going to be talking, are going to be as mad as Mississippi State. And, and I know in Mississippi State, you shouldn't be hanging around with Memphis. And Memphis isn't terrible, but still, come on. But th- you can't do this. This Like, there needs to be accountability. There need to be suspensions. To pay needs to be docked. Not only that, we got to get rid. And again, I think the, the expanding of the playoff will do this. Get rid of SEC crews. Big t- Like, get rid of conference crews. Get rid of them. Get rid of them. You are a college football referee. You're a college football referee. You are an FBS referee. You are not a part of a conference. And you, not only that, okay, that will, I believe, the again, we need a commissioner for college football. And again, this is another thing, officiating. Now, yeah, you can do games regional. That's fine. Okay, like, hey, this crew stays in the Northeast, but you're not going to be doing the the Big Ten every week. You're going to do some of the MAC. You're going to do the ACC. You're not going to be the Big Ten every week. You're not going to be the SEC every week. No. No. Stay regional. Fine, because they probably don't get paid enough. Like uh, Travel costs need to be paid or if you're going to fly them. Probably do that already. But still, you cannot. You can't. You cannot have a conference doing this no way again there needs to be accountability not just a statement people need to answer there needs to be a conference there needs to be hey we got this messed up and then answer questions to it again brandon walker said it with unnecessary roughness referees do it or sorry not referees players do it coaches have to do it if they mess up they have to answer and referees don't have to answer to anybody. That's just a blanket statement. Oh, we messed up during this time. No way. Does not cut it anymore. Does not cut it anymore. There needs to be change. I mean, we know the targeting rule. That's, I think, everyone, if there needs to be degrees to it. Hey, like if, if you put a bad hit on someone, but it wasn't malicious, hey, you know, 15-yard penalty. Fine. I'm okay with that. Give him a 15-yarder. Fine. 
And if it's, but if it's egregious, if it's malicious, hey, toss them. I'm okay with that. But if it's, if it's a kid trying to make a play, hey, fine. You wanted to give him a 15 yarder, fine. Do not inject him. Mm-mm. Not, not right. Not right. And the ejection call uh, in the Alabama Penn or Penn, uh, sorry Auburn Penn State game was ridiculous too. Auburn player got tossed. He should not have been tossed. So let's look at the AP voting here. Um, very shocked. Minnesota not getting any votes. Played Ohio State tough. Blew out Colorado. Nothing. Not even a vote for Colorado. Okay. Um, you know, I see this. Auburn still ranked. Hey, I'm okay with that. Um, Kansas State, fine. Fresno. Fresno's in, baby. I, I like Fresno. Listen, this Fresno team, man, Hainer, he, he ain't bad. This Fresno team's going to be making some noise in the Mountain West. We'll probably win the Mountain West, and then they're going to be a crazy group of five team once bowl games come around. I think Coastal's too high. I'm sorry. I, I I just don't believe that they are the 17th best team in the country. I I put them in the 20s. I, I do not like Coastal being that high. Same with Arkansas. I know it's a big win with Texas. I just – they're in the 20s. They're ranked. They're a good team, but uh, not 16. Not 16. Ole Miss 13, a little high, but guess what? Ole Miss is good, so I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Um, getting down towards the bottom, I like the top five. I do. I don't know if Oklahoma and Iowa are the fourth and fifth, fifth best team in the country. I don't know if Penn State is the sixth best, best team. And listen, I love Penn State, but are they the sixth best team in the country? I don't think so. I think they're definitely top 15. I think they probably are a top 10. I think they are a little high, a little too highly ranked right now. But again, who are you going to put there? Who are you going to put there? And, and which kind of shows the AP poll really means nothing at this moment. All right, let's look at the slate this week. Not as good as last week, um, but still not bad. It's still not a bad week. Every Saturday is good for college football. Um, Wisconsin versus Notre Dame at Soldier Field. I want to puke that this game's at Soldier Field. This should be at this again, home and home. Wisconsin goes to Notre Dame, and then Notre Dame goes to Camp Randall. I hate freaking neutral sites. I know it's about money. I know it's about getting both both teams sell their tickets, and then there's no well, our team wasn't good last year or this this year, and then like we're not in a good space. Like I hate it. Just play a home and home. Do it what Auburn and Penn State are doing. Do what. Penn State and Virginia Tech were going to try and do. Penn State goes to Virginia Tech, and then like four years later or three years later, Penn State goes there. But because of the pandemic, they're going to try and work out a neutral site now. But still, like, that was a a specific sense, but like just because of the circumstances. Like, that's fine. Like, listen, if you have a team in the southeast that, hey, hurricane, and we can't do a home-and-home, and then you want to do a neutral site, fine. By all means, do that. That's what neutral sites, I believe, are for. But playing this game at Soldier Field, like it just it eliminates what's good about college football. It eliminates that pageantry that everyone loves. That is just as good as the game itself. It's not just a game; it is an event. 
and you are taking that away when you make these neutral site games. Oh, but Jake, Florida and Georgia are neutral site. So yeah, it's the world's largest outdoor outdoor cocktail party. That's different. That's a tradition. Same thing with Texas and Oklahoma playing at the Cotton Bowl. Totally different for the Red Rivalry. Red, uh, sorry, Red River Shootout. Totally different. Tradition of things. This sucks. This sucks. This should be a home and home. Anyway, uh, Wisconsin's a five and a half favorite. And I really like Wisconsin. Oh, I really like them. I think Wisconsin covers this by a touchdown. I think as long as Graham Mertz does not turn the ball over, he's got to be aware of Kyla Hamilton the entire time. I just think up front, I think Wisconsin will be able to run the football. I think defensively, I think they are good. I think they're one of the better defenses in the country. And I do believe Wisconsin comes out of this game covering the five-and-a-half spread. Um, a line that shocked me, Michigan State, only a five-and-a-half favorite over Nebraska. I want to put all the money on Michigan State, but this one right here, I don't know. I don't know. Michigan State coming off a big win. Um, Nebraska trying to keep Scott Frost not fired. But again, did they put all their eggs in their basket last week? Again, close loss. Close loss does two things. Either one, gives the team confidence to propel them, or two, take big step backwards. I don't know which one it is. I do not know, but it looks too small. I would have thought Michigan State would have been over a touchdown favorite here. Uh, I was a little shocked to see a Rutgers-Michigan line. Uh, Michigan's favorite by 19. God, I want to take Rutgers getting 19 points. I, I really do. I don't think – I think Rutgers can hang on them. But, again, my brain is telling me, Jake, that's what everyone's going to do. They're all going to put their money on Rutgers, and Michigan's going to blow them out. That's – again, I don't know. Last year, took them over Michigan overtime to beat them. I think the Rutgers is better. I think Michigan's good. I think they're better, but still, I, I, oh, this line scares me. I, I want to see what happens the rest of the week here with that one. Um, let's. Oh, good game at three thirty. Texas A and M versus Arkansas. Um, Texas A and M five and a half point favorite. I do like the Aggies here. I don't think a lot of people are giving them a chance. I like Keldoza. I, I think he's getting better. Uh, Sam Pittman, great coach. Arkansas is on the up, up, up and up. Um, I just don't think they get it done. Again, this is another one. This game should be in Fayetteville. It's in Dallas. Oh, man. It's in Dallas. And I know it's because both teams, you know, they can travel the whole – but, God, man, I wish this game was in Arkansas. Or in College Station, for that matter. But anyway, um, but yeah, so anyway, Texas A&M 5 and a half. Um, Sneaky good game. Oklahoma State six-point favorite over Kansas. I want to see what this line does throughout the entire week. Um, I have a lot of people love betting Kansas State as dogs. They win a lot of money. Um, my, my boy – from the old Juke Sports podcast, Kyle Koch, shout out to you. He always says take Kansas State as a dog. I just don't know yet. I want to see where this goes. Very good matchup, though, uh, during the week. Uh, primetime game is Oklahoma versus West Virginia. <sighs> Morgantown, don't kill me. 
Don't kill me. I think Oklahoma rolls West Virginia at home. It's a 16-and-a-half-point spread, and I think Oklahoma covers it. I think they absolutely destroy the Mountaineers. West Virginia has a quarterback problem right now with Daggy. Um, their defense is good, but I just think Oklahoma – this is the game I think Oklahoma fi- figures it out. Please, Mountaineer fans, don't kill me. I'm with you. I really am, but I, I got to be honest here. I just don't think – I just think Oklahoma blows them out. All right. Now let's get on to our playoff this week. The playoff is brought to you by Odds Crowd. Odds Crowd has fantasy betting and leagues that include over $30,000 in cash prizes when you bet on NFL and college football. I'm taking part in Odds Crowd, and so is everyone else at Brandon. So let's see where your bets stack up against mine. Here's how it works. Once you enter a contest, you place fantasy bets, not actual money against real odds and lines. Most profitable bettors rise at the leaderboard. If you have the highest profit at the end of the contest, you win. And Odds Crowd isn't just fantasy betting contests. It's a social app for sports bettors, free to download. You can group chat with other bettors, track your bets, set up private fantasy contests with your buddies, and much more. So download the app for free. And when you are there, put in referral code BRAN13, that's bran one That'll tell them that Jake sent you. Okay. Now, this week's playoff is not going to be as serious as the one we did last week with the uh, coach's best fits for USC. Uh, this week, we are going to be talking about best live mascots. Okay, now, before we even start, I want to preface it something. Chief Osla and Renegade. Okay, so Renegade, I am not including that as a mascot with Chief Osla just because um, that's more of a symbol and it's not a it's just not it's not a mascot for Florida State. It's more of a symbol and the traditional things that they do. So just preface setting, don't expect to see Renegade with Chief Osla in here. Anyway, here we go. My number four. First, I have to tell you guys something that I have a soft spot for English Bulldogs. So I'm going with my number four, Ugga from Georgia. I mean, oh, this little little dog with the pudgy cheeks, and they put the little sweater on him. Also, great clip of him trying to take a bite out of an Auburn player. Um, I think in the in the 2000s at some point. Um, great live mascot, love him. Number three, Mike the Tiger from LSU. Lives right on campus with his little sanctuary. Uh, during the game, he has his own cage on the field to watch the LSU Tigers in Tiger Stadium. Um, just a very majestic creature. Also, you know, you, you got Coach O there that likes to imitate him too. This kind of just adds to the flair. But Mike the Tiger, my number three. Number Two, uh, Bebo from Texas, appropriately named the Longhorns. I just think it's really cool to have this animal on the sideline with its giant horns there. Also, one of the all-time uh, clips is they were <laughs> doing something for Ugga for Georgia. 
I uh, got the cameras in there, and Bevo just takes out <laughs> the 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 guardrails, <laughs> almost trampling Hugga. Beautiful. Uh, we got some honorable mentions. Uh, Ramses from UNC, Billy the Goat from Navy, Smokey from Tennessee, and War Eagle, the War Eagle in Auburn. Now, I always thought Auburn strange because they have two mascots. They have they are the Auburn Tigers, which eh, a little generic, and then they have the War Eagle. But why don't they just call the Auburn Eagles? The Auburn Eagles, it rolls off the tongue. It's really good. And, again, at the beginning of the game, the War Eagle, it, it comes down and goes to a spot and it flies through a stadium. I don't know. I just think the Auburn, the Auburn Eagles, I think, would just be a great – I mean, plus you already have another – you have two different Tigers. You have the Mizzou Tigers, which I know they're Midwest and, you know, they were the Tigers team out in the Big 12. But you have the LSU Tigers already. I mean, we have too many Tigers. Let's – come on. Auburn, change your name to the Eagles. Um, and that brings us to our number one, which I think is a no-brainer. It's Ralphie from Colorado. Uh, right now, Ralphie's a little skinny. It's a young Ralphie, Ralphie 6. But um, when Ralphie's in full form and full adult form, it's really fun to just – again, it just it's that little flair of college football that's missing in, in other professional sports. Um. And even uh, even other college sports like college basketball, it's that little extra flair watching the Buffalo run out and sometimes the handlers fall down and he runs away from them. But anyway, my number one is Ralphie. So, again, we're going to post this on uh, Twitter and on Instagram on Wednesday, uh, our playoffs. So it will be Ugga versus Ralphie and then Mike the Tiger versus Bevo. So – Guys, let us know in the threads. Who do you think we left off the list? Who do you think is number one? Let us know on Instagram, uh, which is get at get back coach, and then on Twitter at the GB Coach. Okay, guys, we had a wonderful, wonderful weekend of college football last week. It was a celebration of college football. This week, not as many prime prime time, or sorry, not as many great games on but there's enough okay remember even the down weeks of college football are better than any week in may and june and july so with that being said have a great week guys